Good morning, and welcome to the podcast of San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. My name is Dee Kelly, and what a privilege it is to be with you this day and to explore a fascinating passage of Scripture that we find in um, the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. The book of Proverbs itself is interesting. We started in on a two-part series on Proverbs, a three-part series on wisdom literature. We began with the Song of Songs, moved to um, the book of Proverbs, and now in chapter 1 we are looking at an interesting portion of this uh, portion of Scripture as we explore what it means to follow the wisdom of God in our lives. I've entitled this message, Ignorance is Not Bliss, as evidenced by the words that are spoken in this first chapter, that sometimes being ignorant sends us down pathways of folly and foolishness, and the call or the appeal of this passage is to step into a place of wisdom, of um, living our lives in accordance with uh, the Spirit's guidance and the ways in which God could teach us if we will just allow God to do so. Well, as I think about this passage, I think of a time many, many years ago. My wife and I, on July 4th, lived south of Chicago, and we drove up to a place that um, is the far reaches south of the L train, uh, near Dan Ryan and 95th, not too far from the area on the south side of Chicago, sometimes referred to as Manhattan Money Exit, off of I-57. There we boarded the train with our daughter, who at the time was about six years old. We were on our way up to Grant Park. The L train makes its way from the various hubs around the city to a central hub just on the north side of Grant Park in an area called the Loop. And some people think that the name of the train system, the Chicago L, uh, is named after the central loop that is made in downtown Chicago, and that is certainly an appropriate reference. But it is a reference, I think, instead to its unique nature. Most systems are subway systems in major cities. Early on in the late 1800s, Chicago trying to uh, create a more sensible, more economical way to have a train system built above the roads in an elevated train system, and thus the L train refers to the elevated train. It's not all elevated, but in the downtown loop area, above many of the streets, you can hear the trains rumbling above you. Anyway, my wife and I and daughter climbed on the train on the far south side of its reaches, planning to head up to Grant Park because that night in Grant Park, there was going to be a wonderful July 4th fireworks and music celebration. We had heard about it. We had been near it on numerous occasions, but we had never gone and been present in the Grant Park area. We were very excited about it, and when we got on the train, being that it was the furthest south um, place to board the train, there were very few people on the train. We got on, the smells, the sights. Trains have a unique smell. They have kind of a people smell to them and metal smell and um, the, the smell of the countryside as you go through various places and the smells of cities that come. Well, 
My daughter, six years old, was exploring the train. It wasn't a typical train like Amtrak with every seat in a row. It was like a, a city transport subway system with seats scattered in different directions facing one another, spread out throughout the car. And she had plenty of room to explore. As the train traveled north, each progressive stop more and more people got on tend to be a much younger crowd. A crowd that had coolers with them, and I am guessing, based on the behavior of many of those people who had boarded the train, that they had partaken of what was inside the cooler long before they made it to the train. It seems like the party had already begun. I was surprised, but grateful, to see um, men walk through with jackets on that said ATF on the back or sheriff on the back, ATF standing for alcohol, um, tobacco, and firearms. And so these individuals employed by the city had been asked to ride the trains and to make sure that order was kept. I was grateful. Um, As we went further and further north, the atmosphere became a little more and more raucous. My daughter, Fearless, would just make her way between the people and explore. I kept a hawkish eye on her, as did Kay. But the language started getting a little rough. I heard words and phrases that I felt like I had to speak up. One time I did, just asking for somebody's courtesy to respect who was on the train. I didn't get a very favorable response in that moment. Some of the language continued, and I just didn't know how to protect my little girl from the horrific words that were being tossed around as people were pushing the boundaries in preparation for the party this night in Grant Park. I wondered if I had made a wise choice or not. At one point in time, my daughter made her way over to me. She crawled up in my lap and she said, Dad, did you hear what that guy said over there? Well, I had heard it all and I wasn't sure which one she was referring to and was fearful that she just had expanded her lexicon long beyond, far beyond what I had wanted her at this age to know. She said, Dad, that boy right over there And she pointed behind her hand as if nobody could see that she was pointing right at the boy. He fortunately was not looking in this direction. And I said, oh, sweetie, what did you hear? And she said, that boy right over there said, shut up. And I looked at her a little startled and grateful. And then she followed by saying, dad, he needs a quiet time right now. And I agreed with her. He needed a quiet time. In fact, in my opinion, the entire train needed a quiet time. I would probably go on to say that I feel like our entire country could use a quiet time right now. It is um, a time where we are hearing all kinds of things. And it's easy to point a finger and say, did you hear what that person just said? and think that everyone else needs the quiet time, I'm afraid that sometimes I need the quiet time as well. Well, what does that have to do with this passage of Scripture? Well, it has a lot to do with this passage of Scripture. 
This passage in the midst of this book of Proverbs, which is a collection of wise sayings, a way by which to navigate the world, an understanding that comes from experience, from having lived life and see how things work and wanting to pass on wisdom to a next generation. That's the collection of sayings within this book of Proverbs. However, we have some interesting stories that are interspersed, in particular, stories that are spoken from a feminine voice. The opening chapter is the woman of wisdom. In chapters 8 and 9, we will have the wisdom uh, voice come back, but we will also have a woman of folly that is introduced. And at the very end of the book, we will have uh, another image of a woman who has embodied or is trying to live out wisdom. It is wonderful to hear this feminine voice. We are told in uh, chapters 8 and 9 that this voice, this feminine voice, was present at the beginning of creation, has been part of all that God has been at work doing. In fact, there are intimations that this is... Um, with God at all times, this voice of feminine wisdom. We are told, as we mentioned last week, that the theme of the book is found in chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, or the awe, the respect, the overwhelming sense of gratitude and understanding that God is omnipotent, that awe of God provides the fertile soil for wisdom to flourish. This same statement is made in chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we have here in this passage the woman of wisdom who begins to speak. And beginning in verse 20, we find what she is doing. She is in the open street, calling aloud. She is raising her voice in the public squares. She is on the walls, crying out. She is at the city gate, telling her story. She is in all of these public places where all the hustle and bustle of life is taking place. And she's hoping that some will hear the last two weeks, there have been an interesting phrases that have jumped off of the page. When we were two weeks ago in the Song of Songs, it was, wake up, wake up, wake up. And then um, we were last week in a passage of scripture. Our last lesson in the book of Ephesians, where we were encouraged to stand to stand and then to stand again. Here it's as if the messenger of wisdom is telling us to listen. Listen, listen, listen four times. She's speaking in the wide open spaces. She's in the public squares. She's on the city wall. She's at the city gate where the business activity and judgments are made. It is an invitation to listen. And the only way we listen is to acknowledge our need for a quiet time. 
What is it that Lady Wisdom says to us? Well, she says that there are people that she is observing. How long will it be that the simple ones continue to love their simple ways? Ooh, that stings. How long will the mockers delight in mocking? How long will fools hate knowledge? Wow, she's just not tender. She's pretty bold, straightforward. She states it as she sees it. And then she goes on to say, If only you would repent and listen to my rebuke, I would pour out my thoughts on you. I would instruct you in my teachings. But you do not. You don't pay attention to when I cry out. You ignore when I stretch forth my hand. You don't listen to my advice. You pay no attention and refuse to respond to my rebuke. This is a harsh critique saying that wisdom is everywhere. Wisdom is lurking on the corners of where you go every day. It, it is not lurking. It is in full view. It is crying out to you. And yet, it seems that we ignore it. Busy with our own things, saying our own thoughts, paying no attention to the wisdom that is there to teach us. It certainly comes through other people, but it comes through all of God's creation. Wisdom. It is followed by an interesting, harsh response of consequences. The message here is Lady Wisdom continues. She says, so I will laugh when disaster comes on you. When calamity falls on you, I'll mock. When calamity comes on like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble come, you will call out to me, but I will not answer. You will search for me, but I won't be found. I won't be found because you have hated knowledge. Any of you refused to fear the Lord. Now, a couple things that I want to say about this. First is, this is not a description of how we are to act toward others when this disaster comes on people. It is simply saying that wisdom responds this way. It is a personification. It is putting wisdom in the form of a person as if wisdom could talk to us. But it is simply an observation that wisdom operates in a particular way that if we have not been paying attention to it when disaster strikes, we don't have quickly at our access great wisdom because we've not been practicing it. So it's as if it mocks us, it laughs at us because we've paid no attention to it. When disaster strikes, what are the resources we have? Well, we have virtually no experience to draw on if we've not paid attention to wisdom all along. I do find it interesting as well that this is because those individuals who fall into this category have hated wisdom and have chosen not to fear the Lord. So there is a call to seek after knowledge, which feels like it's a reversal of the Garden of Eden, but I would love to propose to you this 
day that this is actually a fulfillment of the Garden of Eden, a restoration. What happened in the Garden of Eden was that Adam and Eve sought out the tree of knowledge in disobedience. It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But they sought this out in disobedience because they didn't have adequate fear of the Lord. Here, there is a bonding of these two, a seeking out of knowledge and a deep respect or awe of God. God's precepts, God's ways, God's spirit leadership in our life. This is wisdom. Wisdom doesn't exclude knowledge. It profoundly includes knowledge. We don't need to fear what knowledge may do, as if that is a repetition of the Garden of Eden. Instead, we are welcome and invited to pursue it with the fear of the Lord, the awe, the respect of God being creator of all things and holding all knowledge for us. Here it says that those who do not follow this practice, they have instead followed their own ways and they will eat the fruit of their ways. They will fill up on the fruit of their own schemes. And then it goes on to a very harsh indictment concerning consequences where it says that the waywardness of the simple will kill them. The slothfulness of the fools will destroy them. Now, I have to step in and say here that it is important to acknowledge that good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. This is poetic literature. This is a personification of the idea or the notion of wisdom. This is a story told through a prophetic poetic voice. It's not a systematic theology. We recognize that there are times when bad people receive good fortune, that very good people experience traumatic events, but wisdom in this passage, the writer, is one who believes in the theory of probability, that we recognize that there is a vast array of human experience. But generally speaking, those who follow wisdom will experience the good consequences of wise living. Those who practice folly, who go a direction that's contrary to wisdom, generally speaking, they will experience the consequences of that folly and it will very often crush them. Lady Wisdom says this in conclusion, if you had just listened to me and my admonitions to you, you would have been safe, a life of ease, a, a, a life that is free from the fear of disaster. I want to say once again that it doesn't mean disaster will never come. But the fear of disaster is replaced by the fear of God. 
I, that's so important in this passage that as we seek after wisdom, we seek after understanding, we seek after what's offered to us in God's creation, the fear, the awe, the respect of God begins to replace the fear of the unknown, the fear of the uncertain, the fear of what might come, the fear associated with my circumstances. And how do we begin to pursue this? Well, I believe it takes us back to the beginning of the passage. Listen, 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 listen. Daddy, that guy over there needs a quiet time. I know, sweetie. I probably need a quiet time as well. This quiet time, what happens? It is a listening to God's spirit, how God might work from within, but it's also listening to God's creation around us. And Proverbs is all about letting creation teach us. Listen to those who have lived close to the land. Listen to those who are indigenous to the land and what they say about their area. Listen to the creatures of the land. I know you have heard stories or maybe watched videos or movies about horse whispers or dog whispers, these individuals that seem to have this close connection to creatures and their language. I think that most of us don't know much more about dogs than when they wag their tail, they seem to be happy. Or they wag their tail because food's about to be served. But there are individuals who know what upright ears mean, what ears that fold back mean, what hair on the spine means, what particular postures mean, what the licking of the mouth or nose might mean for a dog. These people have become attuned to the language of creatures. We're called as well not only to get in touch with God's creation and begin to learn the language of creation, but become soul whisperers. What might that mean? Well, it starts with the belief that everyone, absolutely everyone, has the image of their creator stamped on them. What might it mean for us to step into this language of our creator and recognizing the image of God on everyone, everyone. The most irritating person you know, the image of God is stamped there. Well, it seems to me that it calls us to be quiet before God and allow God's spirit to teach us how we might see that image, to listen to other stories, to hear their responses, to watch their body language, to care about their journey, enough to pay attention to what God might want to teach me about the soul. That's wisdom's invitation. Come and learn, hear the speech, stop loving ignorance, stop loving mockery, as if somehow that makes you better if you can put others down. Stop living in a place of foolishness. What is the request to help us move past that? Well, it's confession. 
It says, if you will listen to my rebuke and repent. Isn't this interesting? We often associate repentance with certain sins. Here it is saying that repentance comes for not listening to the rebuke of wisdom. Not listening at all. Is it possible that we need to confess and hear what God might be doing around us if we just pay attention? Well, as I face the circumstances I'm in, I have to realize that the fear of the Lord helps me get through these circumstances. Not the explanation of the Lord, not an excuse, not more reasoning, but the awe of God. And I doubt that it's possible to step into that place of awe without first listening, taking a quiet time, responding to the invitation to let wisdom do its work in us and through us so that we might see with new eyes, hear with new ears, and be moved by God's Spirit so that our heart might be sensitive to the image of God stamped in all those things around us. An invitation this day to become a soul whisperer. Our gracious Creator and King, will you this day move within us? Thank you for your patience with our folly, for our foolishness, for our mockery. Forgive us for those things where we have chosen to be ignorant, where we have chosen to shut down and not listen. Lord, give us a quiet time, for we need it. The many times we have simply said, shut up to the world, to others, to your creation, to your grace. Lord, forgive us for that. And may we, in these coming days, listen to your Spirit working among us and in us. Lord, we need you, and we need each other, and we need to move beyond harsh, angry rhetoric. For as James tells us, the tongue can start a fire that cannot be stopped. The tongue can destroy the tongue can ruin reputations. The tongue also betrays what's in our heart. So, Lord, mold our heart. May the dominant image of our heart be your image that's been stamped on us. And thus, after we have spent quiet time with you, will you please move us into our world as soul whispers? trying to express the love that you have given to us, to others. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Have a blessed week and go in God's peace.